In today's episode, we are going to be discussing the previous Supreme Commander of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, aka North Korea, Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il known for being a dictator. We're going to use that word. Dictator. You could probably also use the term cult leader. Cult of personality is, uh, <laughs> is frequently used when describing him. He's, uh, he's known for kind of a flamboyant fashion sense. Mm-hmm. Also being a very harsh autocrat. Yeah. Complete control of an entire country that is kind of pariahed and cut off from the rest of the world. It's something else. Noted communist, but in kind of like a weird sense of the word, because I think they just kind of went with communism because it consolidated power the most to him. Yep. Absolutely. So very interesting fellow. So we'll go through, go through the life and then maybe touch on, some some aspects of his reign and aspects of North Korea during his reign that uh, made it a, a very unique society, especially given the fact that he was was around for many of our lifetimes, all the way up into the 21st century. So pretty crazy. All right, Kim Jong Il was born on February 16th, 1941, in Camp Voroshili in the Eastern Soviet Union, uh, which I thought that was pretty crazy that he was born in Russia. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, that's not what they claim. <laughs> <laughs> what do the official North Korean history books say? Yeah. So Slavo is giving you the confused Western rest of the world theory on Kim Jong-il's birth what actually happened was this very cherished mountain in north korea fake do he was born there i've heard some people embellish that like the mountain split and then there was a double rainbow a glowing star in the sky and we have the birth of the savior kim jong-il Incredible. Mm-hmm. I like the splitting of the mountain and also the double rainbow. Classic uh, internet video. Have you seen the one where the guy says, he's looking up at the sky, he's like, oh, it's a rainbow. And then he goes, double rainbow. <laughs> it's a great, it's, a, I, it's like I, old school internet. Yeah, I have seen that. And if you look closely enough, you can see a baby Kim Jong-il. <laughs> In the sky, in the corner of the video. So, which do you believe? Do you believe the uh, the thought that he was just born unceremoniously in modern day Russia, or do you think he was uh, birthed between the crevasses of a mountain? Um, I think he was born in Russia while his father is fighting the guerrilla fight against japan mm-hmm. world war ii mm-hmm. so uh, something i thought was interesting was that his, um, his birth name 
see now I have, I have all this Western history, so I don't know which, which <laughs> what's what in here was uh, Yuri Ursinovich Kim. So kind of a, like a Russian sounding name and his nickname within the family was Yura, which I thought was kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds nice. Does it have any translation? Uh, no, not to my knowledge. <laughs> uh, so his father, as you mentioned, was Kim Il-sung, who is going to be a kind of a notable person in this story. His father was fighting in the military, and he would later become the supreme leader of the newfound Democratic People's Republic. I sometimes I forget the people. Democratic People's <laughs> Republic of Korea, mm-hmm. which was formed in 1945 and when the family moved back to North Korea because it was the end of World War II and Korea earned its independence from Japan. So the family moved into a mansion. I think it was there was a Japanese officer who had lived there in Pyongyang and the family moved in after after the end of the war. Wow. It's symbolic where they move in to this Japanese officer's house. They take control just like how they dominated Japan in the war and brought victory and glory to North Korea. I guess for this podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the history through their version, <laughs> Okay, but no, they, they like you really, you made it sound like they stormed the beaches of this mansion, <laughs> which, uh, which I like it glorifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did, they portrayed this as a huge victory where they defeated Japan, fought off the imperialist United States of America and, the face of this and to become the supreme leader was Kim Jong-il's father. And this starts, I believe, the first communist kind of dictatorship, but that's passed on through heritage, where, as we will see, this is the first of three Kims to lead North Korea. Yes, and it's known as the Kim dynasty in uh, historical circles. So, I mean... It's lasted for, to this point, almost 100 years. So I guess you can call that how long. So they say in sports, you need to win four, I'd say four titles in the span of 10 years to be considered a dynasty. How long do you need to have consolidated power in the family for it to be considered a a dynasty when it comes to countries? I would say, yeah, you need to have a grandchild to rule. Um, under the same regime. And so this, under that definition, qualifies as a dynasty. Wow. Um, probably much to the ill fate of the people in North Korea. Mm-hmm. But it's just amazing how long their dynasty has lasted. Yeah, it is really crazy. And uh, doesn't seem to have any signs of stopping to this point. Not, not necessarily, all. but you never, but as we'll find out, you never really know what's going on in North Korea. So ain't that the truth. So our subject went to school either in 
Pyong, see, maybe you have the, the, the North Korean version of this, <laughs> either in Pyongyang or he went to China because there was the Korean War was was raging. Um, he became involved in politics at a young age in 1957. So at the age of 16, he was the vice chairman of his middle school's Democratic Youth League branch. And he would have been chairman, but the chairman had to be a teacher. So... <laughs> which i'm shocked he wasn't named a teacher <laughs> i know i know yeah very uh humble and uh, he's a real person of the people for not being named a teacher so one thing that i find very interesting about the kim family and talking about kim jong-il is the fact that the family is very uh game of thrones style and the fact in the way that they could, <laughs> that they battle for power and jockey for power within the family just some some interesting characters all throughout it turns out that kim jong il has a brother a half brother that's still alive mm-hmm. and a lot of people have died through this <laughs> through this <laughs> dynasty but i find it interesting that uh kim pyong il who's the brother of kim jong il Mm-hmm. He has served in various ambassador roles through the years, and he retired a few years ago, and now he lives in North Korea. But this is someone who theoretically could have a claim to the throne yeah. over Kim Jong-un, who's the current leader. Mm-hmm. But he successfully distanced himself enough from the throne. And this is something that, that Kim Il-sung had made a point to separate the brothers as much as possible and mm-hmm. distance Kim Pyong-il away from the throne so that Kim Jong-il never felt any pressure to assassinate or kill his half-brother. So this man has made it all the way through. He's navigated all the, <laughs> the landmines that are this family, and he's, he's still alive to this day. Yeah, and I mean, that is notable because Kim Jong-un, the current... North Korea supreme leader he notably murdered his one of his uncles probably because he was you know really involved in the regime was gaining too much power and also worth noting our subject today Kim Jong Il so people don't know what happened but he was in a pool with his brother mm-hmm. um, I believe full brother and, and mm-hmm. they were young elementary school age and his brother died. And, you know, depending what side of the story you want to take, <laughs> some people think he may have drowned him because he died from drowning. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Other people, you know, the North Korea propaganda machine claims it was like a devastating thing, had such a strong impact on who he is, how he felt from that and overcame it. But, you know, those two were alone in a pool and one of them died. <laughs> I, I see the look in your eyes. You think he, you think he killed him? Eh, I, I'm not so certain. Okay. And another thing, you mentioned his uh, his schooling, and, and that was, you know, kind of in middle school. Um, I'm going to give you the the other side, the propaganda machine of what happened with his schooling. When he was in university, so a bit later, he wrote and published 1,500 books over three years, along with six full operas <laughs> while over at university. Three, <laughs> over three years. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was very talented. 1,500 books over three years. That's over a book a day with no <laughs> days insane. off. I mean, are you saying he can't do it? I mean, how many pages are his books? Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's unreal, but I do think there's a section of the North Korean population that, you know, has been brainwashed and fed this that actually believes this near God is capable of this. And then I think there are a lot of North Koreans who realize that this is propaganda and ridiculous, but because they have such a strong hold on the country. Yeah. I mean, it's easily easy to think that people are just ridiculous for believing this, but the idea is that he was being touted as this like supernatural person who was beyond brilliant and beyond talented and beyond a fearless leader and like was leading the country to these new heights. So if, if we were in the United States, for example, and all of a sudden there was somebody who was being touted as they can write a book a day and like, just watch how fast their hands move and this and that. I mean, it's not inconceivable that if everyone is agreeing on this, if all the news stations are saying the same thing that people can kind of. Yeah. I mean, exactly. You only have one source of news. You have no outside information and you're just told this, how godlike this figure is. I mean, I think this kind of rule we've seen like throughout human history before, where there's like this one, this one leader who has this divine claim or, you know, these unbelievable power and knowledge and is a godlike figure. And fortunately, in lots, in many countries, this is no longer the case, but this is kind of a blast from the past where you do have this leader who is heralded like a god. Yeah, an old school propaganda machine and a lot of information control. Yeah, it's all just pretty crazy. And a lot of what was going on with um, Zhang Il specifically, this is in the 90s and the 2000s. Mm-hmm. not a time period that when you think about this stuff, when you think about the news making up these preposterous, when was it that they said that he, that he shot an 18 on a, <laughs> on a round of golf? This is a great one. Um, yeah. I mean, in 1994, the Pingyang media reported first time, Kim Jong-il picked up a golf club. He shot 38 under par on North Korea's only golf course, including 11 holes in one. (laughs) Okay, 38 under par. Yeah. I mean, it it sounds crazy, but we have 17 eyewitnesses who are the bodyguards. (laughs) 17 eyewitnesses Um, who will all swear. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. And then, but then he, of course, decided to retire from the sport. You know, it was it was too easy. <laughs> you know, I will say, that's kind of like Vladimir Putin. Have you seen yes. the video <laughs> of him? Uh, there's a video that people can look up on YouTube where he's playing hockey, and they basically just let him score every time yes. he gets the puck. Yes. He can barely skate, uh, and like, they <laughs> the goalie is like diving out of the way of the puck so it goes in. I think he scored five goals in like a exhibition game with the Russian <laughs> national team or something like that. Yeah. Um, very funny. So uh, there's not tons of I didn't see too too much for for him in like his early adult years. 
I think they were kind of grooming him for leadership. Mm-hmm. And so he was kept out of the, the public eye, but he was named in 1974. He was named successor to Kim Il-sung. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, right when he finished university, his dad got him a nice cushy job in the government, but eventually he moved to the propaganda. He was like head of propaganda for North Korea. And as a kid, it's worth noting, Kim Jong-il loved movies and he he loved the James Bond. He liked watching Elvis and that, like the movie, the fame. He loved it. And North Korea, the general populace did not have access to, to, to these movies and such. But um, obviously none of these rules ever apply to the Supreme leader and company. And so Kim Jong-il loved movies. His dad thought he would like the propaganda. And so here he is head of propaganda. And before he is named as the successor to his father, because people didn't know who was going to be the successor. He's out there making the propaganda talking about how great his dad was for defeating Japan and also boosting up himself. And, you know, he's making propaganda videos where Kim Jong-il will be walking and pointing to who knows military operations. And then you just see 20 people by his side, just mesmerized, like he'll point <laughs> in the distance. He'll say something. They're like, oh, no way. He's just <laughs> flushing the media with all these videos and these posters it makes it easier for him to be the successor because he's been telling the people how great he is and how how loved he is. Yeah. He was really touted as, as this fearless genius leader and like military commander because he was making the videos. <laughs> so, yeah. So smart, smart move by him. <laughs> so in his first like official government public public appearance was in 1980, and um, he was given the title "Dear Leader," and which, if there's one thing North Korea can do better than any country, it's name leadership. <laughs> Coming up with names of leadership, so he was dear leader, and his father was the great leader. <laughs> yeah, and uh, ad hoc segment: create names for leaders. North Korea has come up with these genius names, supreme leader, great leader, dear leader. We can name each other. We're giving ourselves titles, but I'll give you titles and you can give me titles. We can go back and forth and see who can come up with better titles for the other person. (laughs) You want to go first, Lord of the Mics? (laughs) Yeah, I'll go first. Oh, man. All right. Your podcast, Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> because of your flow mm. because Jesus had flow yeah in yeah. well <laughs> all right that's the western remembrance <laughs> yeah who knows I would suspect most people back then had long hair so that aspect I think like who's what are you, you going to cut your hair with like a knife but wouldn't he have short isn't it really warm there in the middle east yeah yeah I'd say so. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Caesar, he's depicted with short hair, you know, and Jesus was under the Roman rule. But maybe it's a situation like Kim Jong-un, the current leader of North Korea, where the leader gets to decide what haircuts everyone has, and they get to have a haircut that no one else gets to have. 
So maybe everyone had to have long hair. Wow. Imagine if Julius Caesar had like this short, like tight fade and nobody else was allowed to get a haircut. He would look completely different than everyone else. So different. It'd be erotic. Slavo, the slow flow vocalist. Whoa. Slavo, the slow flow vocals. The slow flow vocals. I like that. Slow flow. Yeah. Is that like a is that like a podcasting style? <laughs> Some NPR. Ooh, random uh, segment. Can we do our NPR voices? <laughs> yes, you go first. So I have something to go off of. Hi, I am Slavo, and I'm here with my co-host Paz. Today on NPR Global News, we are going to be talking about. Kim Jong-il on NPR Radio. Over to you, Paz. So, top of the hour. (laughs) No, wait, listen. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere. At the top of the hour, will you please donate? Yes, we are National Public Radio and get and receive funding from the government. But to keep this show going, we need you to donate. Have you ever listened to NPR? All they like, they have days just dedicated to asking for donations. But the segment, I thought this, I thought, I thought the segment was that we were going to do our NPR voices. Though that's my NPR impression. All right. <laughs> you just came in. You're like, donations. <laughs> I, why do you think I did that? Like, Super soft. I know. I know. I was coming in from a different angle. I was, you know, it was hot, dude. Was, that was great. There's also the, uh, just really quickly. There's also like the disc jockey, like the oh, shock yeah. jock. All right, everybody, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> we woo, <laughs> we woo, we woo. Bass, bass, bass. Oh, we got Jiminy Cricket on the telephone line. <laughs> See what he has to say. Oh, how's it going? Shut up, Jiminy. <laughs> oh, hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, thanks for. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. Thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for that call. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so where were we? <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> fast forwarding a bit, he starts getting into these, uh, these roles. He starts growing within the party. His father is consolidating power. He's the, he's the supreme leader. Kim Jong-il is the, successor he's going to be the successor he starts he's running the military he's running the government he's the day-to-day operations he's pretty much doing everything it's even alleged that he tapped the audio of his father like he was that paranoid wanted that much control yeah i mean that sounds about right because they say that his father he was kind of he had absolute power but he also sought the opinions of other people but Kim Jong-il was like, fuck that. I don't want the opinions of anybody. Like, if you try to give me an opinion, I will kill you kind of thing. So, big event. July 8th, 1994. This is the date that Kim Il-sung dies. 
and Kim Jong-il becomes the supreme commander of North Korea. Oddly enough, they do elections. Really? Yeah, or they did. He was um, named General Secretary of the of the Workers' Party of Korea in 1997. And then in 1998, he was like, yeah, I'll take like all that. Just name me all like the big positions, basically, was what he was saying. They actually did a constitutional amendment that said that the president didn't have any power. It's interesting that they go, that they actually have elections when the guy who dies names his successor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the elections would be every five years. I don't know if they still do elections, but... Elections would be every five years within the parliament or whatever to decide who's the, the leader. Mm-hmm. And he would be elected unanimously each time. Love it. So That's how you know you're a good leader when you get unanimously elected. I feel like if there's ever a unanimous election, <laughs> that's like even Russia, they kind of... So like, mm. oh, it was 80-20. It's <laughs> uh, a good point. So yeah, so he he starts getting unanimously elected. And then so some some bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Famine yeah. in the nineteen nineties. A real bad thing. They have issue growing stuff on their land, and of course with their semi-communist ideology and they want to be completely isolated a self-sufficient utopia of a country which clearly does not turn out to be the case and yeah they have this huge famine they don't have any outside resources they had been propped up by the soviet union and that collapsed for similar reasons and what did they call it the long march do you know what they called it no i don't Anyways, they have this huge famine, and supposedly, according to the propaganda machine, Kim Jong-il is living on a bowl of rice a day, maybe some beans. Um, No one is feeling the famine harder than him. And he's saying this while you look at him. (laughs) He's got a little bit of a belly. (laughs) He was a big guy. (laughs) Yeah, not Kim Jong-un big, not the current leader big, and definitely not tall. He was like 5'3 and wore platform shoes. But yeah, he he had a a nice belly. You could tell this man was well fed. But yet, to the population, he's saying he's eating a bowl of rice a day. It's like it's really bad. Mm. Um, mothers will give up their kids to other families who they think can afford to feed their kids. One defector claimed, you know, when he's walking to work, he would see ten children corpses on the road it is really sad awful stuff and and a lot of these you know these children wouldn't have families and they wouldn't be connected to the government because i mean the the party in north korea controls the distribution of food kim jong-un is you know eating lobster and drinking champagne is it cognac or what's his alcohol of choice cognac cognac yeah cognac he was the number one <laughs> purchaser, they believe, of this because he drank so much of it. But they had a habit of kidnapping people. So if they wanted a chef from Italy who makes delicious pizza, there's a fair chance that person was kidnapped. 
Yeah, which is uh, which is pretty wild to think about. Mm-hmm. They would they would say, "Ooh, we want to have a, a movie industry," <laughs> and so they would kidnap a director to come and make movies for North Korea. Yeah, very famously, they kidnapped this a famous actress in South Korea and kidnaps this director who happens to be her ex-husband. And if anything doesn't go his way, he will torture people. There's this one famous defector. He would go to the border with South Korea and make trade for food. And one of the, you know, he's talking with the people from South Korea and they ask, what's the situation like there in terms of the famine? And we hear people are really hungry and this defector confirms it's the case. And eventually he's, people realize he's has access to food. They put a spy in there who will rat him out. So he gets put into prison. Of course, as the system works, the spies then, you know, raised up. And because this person ratted on the guy who was getting food from South Korea, the, the rat or the, government insider he is then you know given more food given more luxuries rewarded for that behavior while the other guy is tortured they electrocute you they tie your hands behind your back about three four feet above the ground high enough so that you can't sit but low enough that you can't stand so you're just kind of in this bend and they just leave you like that for a week and then you have to you like defecate in your pants it's awful you're living on nothing and then after that they're like so do you agree that you were a spy and you want to confirm that, you know, you're this awful person who is against the leader and if people always plea and say, yeah, that was me so that they don't have to go back into the torture is, I mean, the entire country is in hostage. You can't leave the country. Mm-hmm. Obviously you have, you know, they, you have no access to internet or outside information, but you can't leave the country. And if you do, well, one, they'll shoot you if they see you do it just for leaving the country. Um, mm. But if you do, they will then harm all your family. Your family has committed this grave sin of leaving the utopia of North Korea. And so if you leave the country, you run the risk of having you know, your loved ones, your family being tortured, killed. Yeah. Condemning them to death. It's an unbelievable stronghold they have on there just through fear and brainwashing yeah it's not it's not good and it, and it i mean even you and us right now we go through and he wears the funny clothes and mm-hmm. the, it's it's almost like like a caricature of this uh of a society but at the same time they are doing real torture they're mm-hmm. really starving their people they're yeah. really keeping people prisoner it's and i mean this stuff's still going on to this day Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean definitely here at buzzin we like to keep things light and bring a little levity to situations and there's certainly a place for that i think but there's also a place for getting real and being like this is terrible that i mean this is a country of 22 million they've had huge issues with famine they don't even a lot of them don't know what they're missing. It's just, it's, a, it's brutal. Um, and, and interestingly, like you have to imagine the, one of the biggest ways to help the people besides, you know, providing aid, which is provided to a degree, but um, is the information. If they realized how 
South Korea flourish and how the rest of the world lives. Like they have satellite images of North Korea and you see no lights and people are starving. And so if the people of North Korea had access to this information, it's believed, you know, they would demand more from their government. They would know what they're missing. And so there's campaigns to educate them. And I know one of them is South Korea and other countries will send balloons, like these huge... Yeah, like airdrops. Yeah, airdrops. It'll have information. It'll have like chocolate bars and all this stuff. But it's some situation they got there. Another thing to touch on. So eh, I'll I'll let you move on to the next and then I'll I'll bring this up. Well, I've been been going on a rant for a little bit. (laughs) No, it was a good rant. Um, So... Something that coming out of the famine, something that has kind of permeated in North Korea through this time in the mid to late 90s is, ooh, okay, so what kind of economy are we going to have? And they say, well, all right, we're going to have a military economy. <laughs> so we are going to have, I think they had the, either had or have the fourth largest standing army in the world. Yep, exactly. Exactly. The- like you're saying, they placed a huge emphasis on military, and that's where they put all their resources. Which is pretty wild. So they're enlisting every able-bodied person. They're uh, developing nuclear weapons in 1994. I, uh, yep. I think it was 1994. They agreed to a, a framework that said that they were going to get some sort of aid, um, like food aid, while they're in their famine, uh, if they agreed that they were not going to work on developing nuclear weaponry. <laughs> um, and then Kim Jong-il had a like a famous summit with Madeleine Albright, who was the U.S. Secretary of State in the year 2000. And he again said, yes, we're, we're not going to do this whole nuclear weapon thing. <laughs> and then in 2002, they were like, actually, we have been developing <laughs> nuclear weapons. And then in 2006, they were like, we are doing nuclear weapon testing. <laughs> like, we are, like, we are, like, close. Yeah, they're like, oh, no, this nuclear systems, this is just to provide electricity for this nation. It's it's a uh, very similar, it seems, to the Iran situation. <laughs> yeah, they were literally just lying the whole time, and then they would get caught in the lie, and yeah. then they would be like, "Yeah, you know, and we were we were lying the whole time." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, the big thing about a nuclear weapon and why a lot of countries want nuclear weapons is this a big bargaining chip because North Korea has demonstrated they have nuclear capabilities and this is a bargain chip when they're talking to south korea that you know with the press of a button they can do a lot of damage um to their adversaries it, it is it is a known very important bargaining chip in world politics yeah and i mean if you look at the largest city in south korea is seoul mm-hmm. seoul is northern South Korea. It is not far from the North Korean border. border. Yeah. So if um, if they manage to do any sort of low flying missile system that would be tough to be tracked, mm-hmm. um, 
it's it's very dangerous for South Korea if North Korea develops this kind of weaponry. So, yeah, yeah, very real threat. And also, so you mentioned aid, and during this famine, a lot of countries want to give aid to North Korea. The United States, China, Japan, all these countries want to provide food, grain, rice to North Korea, and. They do. And North Korea, the propaganda machine, explains that, you know, the U.S. and Japan are doing this as reparations for their awful past where they fought them. And, you know, U.S. had the imperialist ambitions. And because of that and how bad we feel, how they're succumbing to the power of North Korea, they are giving these as kind of like a gift for their wrongdoings. And the U.S., when they give aid, they put it in bags that says a gift from the people of the United States. And of course, North Korea will take that out of the bags. But again, the issue is even when you give the aid to countries, they control the distribution. And so actually, I believe these figures are right. North Korea during Kim Jong-il would spend $800 million on their nuclear system and on the military. 200 million of that came from aid, which they would then like repurpose and sell um, because now they have this very valuable resource and food. So one fourth of their, the funding for their either military or was the nuclear system comes from aid from other countries. That's crazy. Putting, yeah, literally putting forward the, uh, literally taking food for their starving people and then just selling it so that they can then put it towards weapon design yeah. and things like uh, that. It, it, I mean, and also like Kim, Kim Jong-il had, they said he had something like $4 billion just in, in bank accounts in like Luxembourg, <laughs> just in case things ever got out of hand and yeah. the country was invaded and he had to flee. He mm-hmm. had four billion dollars, yeah, stored. Yeah, it was literally like the whole country was his bank account. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that the power and control the Kim Dynasty has on that country. Another thing worth noting: how else they make money? They had opium farms, and and people even said they were one of the biggest meth producers. They create counterfeit bills better than anyone, is what the U.S. government has admitted publicly. Wow, that's interesting. Which is kind of like fake, a, fake it till you make it. Yeah, kind of a smart move if you're a, a communist country. Uh, oh, another interesting thing. This is great. During the famine, Kim Jong Il supposedly looked into these giant rabbits. In Germany, they had giant rabbits, and Kim Jong Kim Jong Il thought these giant rabbits could be what the country needed to get out of the famine. Kind of makes sense. So they would eat the giant rabbits? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd eat the giant rabbits. It's a lot of meat. And we all know... A lot of protein. A lot of protein. We all know about rabbit sex life and how easily they reproduce. True. It, it did not work out. <laughs> it didn't work out. They ate all the, uh, <laughs> ate all the crop. <laughs> exactly. I think uh, at his birthday party, they ate the rabbits. Yeah. I, Kim Jong-il was known for making a lot of like ridiculous. He would just do like these really stupid economic plans and like really 
ridiculous okay. ideas and they would just never work out and they would I always know. be yeah. like oh uh like another one and they'd I be know. like great idea but it didn't <laughs> work know. out so uh in the 21st century kim jong-il still making grandiose threats to other countries he's using his he's saying we're gonna rain terror down on you and all these horrible things but he starts having health problems and specifically in 2008 rumors start coming out one japanese magazine said that he, he had died in 2003 which i thought was kind of an aggressive claim um <laughs> they ended up getting proven wrong but they said that he had died of diabetes in 2003 and they were saying that there were like fake people they had like <laughs> actors yeah yeah pretending to be him i love that it begs the question do you think there are body doubles? Like, do you think there's another Joe Biden? Do you think there are body doubles? Like, people's whose job is to look like the president in these certain situations to no, know, throw them not off anymore. The I think back in the '90s and the early 2000s, you could have pulled it off, mm-hmm. but not now. the mm-hmm. The cameras are too good. It's always mm-hmm. on. If you're out, Joe Biden, they'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, like people on YouTube would just blow it up and they'd be like, yeah, look yeah. at this mole. There's moles here. And it's not there. Like, they would be doing that. It's too, everything's too HD these days. But That's true. That's I do true. think like back in like the, mm-hmm. I don't know, before the year 2000. Yeah. Um, so health starting to decline people are saying i think u.s intelligence was saying he's got three years to live something like that and Mm -hmm. he makes a trip to china in 2010 he makes a trip to russia meets with medvedev in 2011 and uh in late 2011 he has a heart attack he had a couple strokes before this and then he has a heart attack. Some people, so originally they said that he was on a train ride or people said that he was on a train ride and had mm-hmm. a heart attack on a train ride. But then like later news came out that they said that he was at a construction site of a power plant and was yelling at people so loud that he like just threw himself into a heart attack and died. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he notably would not, fly on planes he said for security reasons some people think it was because he was afraid of flying but Mm. so he was a big big train guy on a lot of trains i mean both of these sound like him whether he's on a train ride somewhere or he's you know visiting a power plant yelling at people they both seem pretty probable to me yep and then so he had a funeral and he was named the eternal leader at the funeral. And then I don't know if you remember this back in the news, but they had like a full day of mourning and everybody had to mourn his death, like in public. Yeah. By like crying yeah. in public. And if you weren't sad enough, they would arrest you. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely crazy. It's definitely crazy. All right. So I'm going to quickly go through his, uh, his titles his job titles at his time of death and then his job titles today, (laughs) present day. So at his time of death, he was a presidium, which is presidium was like the Congress presidium member of the WPK central committee, Supreme commander of the Korean people's army, 
Marshal of the DPRK, Chairman of the National Defense Commission, Great Leader, General Secretary of the WPK, and Chairman of the Central Military Commission. So a lot of a lot of roles. He wears many, many hats. Yep, he just he does it all. <laughs> but he still wears these hats even after his death. <laughs> so his roles today are Eternal Leader, Generalissimo of the DPRK, Eternal General Secretary of the Workers' Party of Korea, Eternal Chairman of the National Defense Commission, Eternal Leader of the WPK, and Eternal Leader of the Jush Korea. So basically any position that he had, they said he was eternally the leader of that position. So, like a religious <laughs> yeah. deity. Absolutely insane. So he has five known children. Mm-hmm. One of them is Kim Jong-un, who we've mentioned, who's yep. the current leader um, in the Kim dynasty. There's also Kim Jong-nam, who was uh, originally, he was the heir apparent. Mm-hmm. And then in 2001, he and like his wife or girlfriend and their son, they were using, I think, Dominican Republic passports to get into Japan so that they could go to Disneyland in Tokyo. And they got caught. And it was this huge embarrassment for the family. So he, like <laughs> completely went out of favor after that happened. Yeah, I, I love it. I love that he's willing to risk it all to go to Disneyland. And then I also love that this is like, this is the act going to Disneyland, which ends his would-be supreme leader continuing up the Kim dynasty. Just, yeah. it's, it's great. Yeah, so he, and he was the closest thing to like a North Korean playboy, like as you could get to. He was known yeah. as being kind of the more modern he was kind of pushing the party to being more market driven and more willing to do trade and things of that nature which is also probably a reason that he got pushed out and he was actually assassinated in 2017 while at an airport he some north korean spies assassinated him with a nerve agent openly kim jong-un was like somebody go kill that guy yeah so he would, sounds like he was a little too capitalist. Um, so those are two of the sons. The third son, Kim Jong-chul. <laughs> From what I read, he's in Pyongyang and he's in a band. And he's like a guitarist and he's just really not about that life. The times that he's been spotted has, has been at Eric Clapton concerts <laughs> in uh, like Singapore. Yeah. Interesting. So... And then he had two daughters, Kim Soul Song, who is alive and working in the propaganda department in North Korea. Last the last people have heard. And then Kim Yo Jong, who looked to be being groomed as a possible successor to Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un has had health problems, presumably, and uh, she was being it looked like she was getting groomed. She was in the pre- groomed. She was in the presidium. And she's also made kind of public statements at times. So she could be a potential successor if anything were to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Any other interesting notes about Kim Jong-il that you want to bring up? He was a big basketball fan. Yeah. Yeah. This one is uh, a little gross. 
but there were these two spies. I forget who they were trying to assassinate in South Korea. They were caught. One of the spies, it was a guy. He took cyanide pill and immediately died. This other person who was with him, when she went to take the cyanide pill, they prevented her from doing it. And then I noticed they had this like special mask on her. And the point of the mask is to prevent her from biting her tongue because North Korean commanders are trained to bite their tongue off when they get caught so that they can bleed out and prevent from talking. How fucked is that? It's totally fucked. I hate that so much. I think I used to have like a nightmare that I would like bite my tongue off. Beyond fucked. That's Um, horrible. Yeah. I I gotta find something light to end it on. (laughs) Oh, who were Kim Jong-il's favorite actor and actress? Actor, maybe someone who played James Bond. Actress. I forget. Who are they? Actress. Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. Actor, nice. you're on the right track. Do you have a guess? <laughs> I'm awful with actor names. Sean Connery. Oh, wow. Sean Connery. Yeah. Who played James Bond. So very, very much on the right track. Yeah. Another crazy propaganda story. So when he was claiming to eat such little food because they were in a famine, he stated that he ate such little food that he didn't defecate <laughs> such an idiot they literally came up with the most ridiculous i mean if you're writing propaganda for someone you say is like a god basically these are the things that you say and one other note i don't defecate either <laughs> dun, 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 dun. it doesn't defecate daniel <laughs> is that your podcast name? whoa <laughs> no call me no shit slavo and i'll call you poopy paz (laughs) all right so long take care take care enjoy not living in north korea